welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and helps you create a life by design. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today, we got a Q&A. Another Q&A. You, uh, do you watch Yellowstone? No. Should. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you would. You would definitely. I mean, you would probably like more than Oh, me. yeah. I um, just. You don't watch shows. Yeah, I just. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I saw the whole world watching it, and I just said, now nah, go somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't, because yeah. I watch them. I mean, I don't watch it because the whole world's watching, because there's some shows that I just, I won't give them to, but I am definitely a show guy. No. Way more of a show guy than a movie guy. I don't even like watching new movies. I would rather watch an old movie I've already seen so I don't have to think too hard. I, I absolutely am on that train. You know? Um, but I woke up yesterday with a mustache. Or maybe it was today. I don't remember. But I but I grew the stash back out. Nice. Shannon was like, she just turned around. She was like, do you have a mustache again? I was like, Yellowstone got me feeling a type of way. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's back. Oh, my God. It only took a day. Yeah, everybody calls me Jimmy. Dude, Jimmy is like the dopest character now. Sick. Like I would have said season one, that's an insult. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. 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 Um, where was that place <laughs> that you guys went? Uh, was, Bull Hill. That's Idaho? No. Is it, is it Washington? Yep. It's just like right before the border, right? Essentially. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like just right up in the corner. Way up there, yeah. place looks fucking dope, but yeah. that's where it started, right? The Jimmy thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you guys I ride, thought you meant Yellowstone. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because you guys Jimmy. riding horses out yeah, there and yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jimmy was like, uh, I, I want to say he was like, he was a crackhead, maybe a meth addict. I don't know. He was into something, yeah. you know, and he was like in, so this, weirdo. in this trailer and stuff. And then the the Kevin Costner plays the one guy, like kind of like saves him. He's like, hey, you're coming to the ranch because he knew his dad who passed away or something. I don't know. Long story short, he took him out of that life. He was like, you're going to work on the ranch now. And he's a like a young guy who does not know how to work on the ranch. <laughs> yeah. So he just looks pathetic the whole time, yeah. you know. Um but then, like, being in the hard life, and then he gets shipped to Texas, and they basically make a man out of him. And then he gets, like, the hot chick. And then, for some reason, all these other girls are, like, into him. And now he's just a badass. Nice. Yeah. He, like, I have to start it. How many seasons? Uh, I think we just started the third or fourth season. Okay. I could be wrong. Something just, I mean, it might be, I don't know. It's, there's a few. Okay. There's at least three. Okay. We're on, we're on at least the three, third season, maybe fourth. But it's one of those things, you know, COVID, like, Shit got weird, so like they, I think they did like a, a break, so it was like ha- season two point five oh. came out later than two, like so they broke it in half or something. So now I'm all confused. Yeah. But, um, and I don't even like country music or country stuff, but I mean, it's a, sh- it's a show. It's a good show. Yeah, yeah. It's like the Sons of Anarchy in Montana. That's nice. I look at. They're like gangsters. What's that show? Sons of Anarchy, yeah. like the the biker gang. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's a great one too. Oh, man. All right. Uh, before we get into the podcast. We got some announcements. Some announcements. Uh, only qu- only a few. Because it's still, um, I mean, I'm going to say this for a few few weeks now. Uh, it's just a reminder. It is the month of November, which means giantlifting.com. This is the best time to get anything from them. So if you need stuff for your garage gym, your CrossFit gym, your, uh, I don't know, you're traveling with bands, you need a weight vest, you need benches, dumbbells, whatever you need, kettlebells. They have everything you need. They got the good stuff, and it is all being discounted the whole month of November because it is uh, Black November. It's not even Black Friday anymore. Yep. Um, it's a whole month. You get the sales, and you can add TCM10 to get an extra 10%, 10% off. So I never push this kind of stuff, um, and honestly, I don't really get much. I mean, we work with them no matter what you do, but I just want to encourage you to get stuff because you can literally save a ton of money and get a lot of good equipment. Um, so head over to giantlifting.com and use the coupon code TCM10 to get Black Friday and our special discount on top of that. 
Next, Tailored Coaching Method, that is what we do. So, of course, this podcast is brought to you and fueled by our online coaching. Um, and, uh, and I want to bring this up because, honestly, I've just been super proud of a lot of the people that are going through our coaching programs. We just had a lot of uh, – all the coaches, we have, like, these threads, and I get to see, like, transformations and, and uh, daily wins and weekly wins, and we're always talking about it. Um, just a lot of people crushing it right now. And I'm very, very excited, very proud of all the people in the Tailored Coaching Method member family. Um, yeah, just a lot, a lot of people on point. So I want to shout out all them and I want to encourage you to join the family. Hell yeah. If you need results, if you need help, if you need guidance, if you need support, accountability, if you need a more evidence-based, science-based approach, tailorcoachmethod.com slash online-coaching. Apply right now uh, and get the best coaching in the game. All right. Let's, let's get on with the, the questions. Yep. We got uh, one coming. This is a long one. It's coming from Sarah. It says, first, thank you for being so generous with your information. My question is this. I am planning to start a cut next week. I have my calories and macros all figured out, I believe. I have many instances in my past where I stupidly learned the hard way that my body falls apart when I eat too uh, too low carb. Uh, For instance, I lose my period, hormones tank, uh, can't gain muscle, I can't sleep, and for the record, I am not underweight and never was. Currently, I'm at maintenance, which is 2,400 calories a day, 170 grams of protein, 80 grams of fat, and 250 grams of carbs. I lift weights four times a week in a hypertrophy program and get lots of steps and neat naturally. When I calculated my 12-week cut with three weeks of diet breaks, I tried to keep my carbs as high as possible, but they obviously have to go down. I came up with 1,900 calories a day, 160 grams of protein, 46 grams of fat, and 185 grams of carbs. I'm curious to get a second opinion on these numbers. Is 185 too high for carb during a cut, or could I bump them up even more? I know it depends, of course. I... Uh, I'm just terrified of having really bad biofeedback right away after making such a huge health progress. I have about 15 pounds to lose and might break it up. So, uh, and might break it up to not stress my body out so much. I also don't want too much. I don't want to be too much of a wuss and screw it up by not going hard enough. Thank you very much. Um, team carbs. Oh yeah. Uh, I know that was a long question, but, um, as I, whenever, whenever we get long questions, I try to like filter through them so we don't have to read this super long question for you guys. But I know that there's a lot of people that are in a very similar situation and I wanted to go through, and I still cut that down a little bit, but the majority of it, because I think it's important to kind of lay out what this person's going through, what they're, they're asking, you know, um, quick side tangent before I answer this. Um, sorry guys. And, uh, I mean, I'm not sorry. You guys love this stuff. I hope, I think if you keep listening, um, you started saying something at the beginning and, and you like you didn't stutter, but you kind of slurred it a little bit. And I thought you, I thought you said catnip for a second, and then you kept talking. <laughs> but then it got me thinking: like, what is catnip? What is it? I, I, it's. it's not weed. Can't believe we're going down this road. Uh, it can't be weed. They sell it at Petco. No, it's it's just a stimulant for a cat. It's a stimulant that Have you ever like, ate it. Absolutely not. I, I mean, do you know anybody who has ate it? Yeah, my cat. A human. No. I wonder if it was a stimulant for an animal. Well, it's not a stimulant. It's the opposite of a stimulant. Stimulant. Mine makes my cat go absolute ape shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Runs around the, jumps up on the calendar. Yeah. I thought catnip was supposed to make him like fucking chill. And I I think maybe there's different kinds, but like, Mm. there's like uh, what I know one's called stativa or sativa or 
Bro, that's weed. I know, but I'm saying like maybe there's two types oh, of catnip. You know? Oh, gotcha. There's another one. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's called. There's like indica. Upper, indica. There you go. There you go. Upper and downer. Um, well, because I got Bubba some, but it's dog nip. But he just gets. I mean, he's already pretty lazy. But like, yeah. you put it in this like donut toy, and you just choose on the donut, and like, never, never just gets chills. up. <laughs> so it's the opposite wow. of the wired. But I was looking at. I'm like, it looks like dried up oregano. Can't be weed because they sell it at Petco. I mean, we're in Washington, but they said it sell it everywhere. Yeah. But anyway, very <laughs> weird. I want to know what that ingredient actually is. Let us know. Yeah. And if you're a human that has tried it, how did it make you feel? I'm curious. This might be a great way for clients to de-stress. <laughs> Start eating catnip. All right. So uh, carbs. Um, there's a, there's kind of layers to this. I, I will. I'm going to preface my whole answer uh, because I'm going to try to generalize my answer. I want to give uh, an answer to. More of the question of, is 185 grams of carbs too low from a general perspective? Like, because I can't say for you. I don't know. Because the truth is, is it, how, how much did she weigh? Pull up her question real quick. Um, I'm assuming she says how much she weighs. Yeah. Uh, and how tall she is. Doesn't. Oh, well. Says uh, I have about 15 pounds to lose. Okay, so. I'm not underweight. I never was. Rule number one for everybody who wants to ask any question your your age, weight, and height are the three biggest <laughs> keys for me to tell you if you're eating too much or too little or whatever. Because those are the first – there's way more that applies. Like those are very generic things. There's way more that applies to how many calories you should be consuming, where your macro should be than just your age, weight, and height. It's a very individualized thing. But if I don't know that, I mean that's – it's very hard to know the rest. Um, now – I can't tell you anyway because I have just for I'm just going to say 150 pounds just for a random number. I have I have female clients who are 150 pounds and I have one that can consume, you know, has to eat 1200 to lose cal- fat, some that 1500 they can be losing the same amount of fat, some that can lose the same amount of fat on 2000 calories. It's very different. I have clients who are uh men who are the same height and weight as me. And I can eat way more than them. And I have some that can eat way more than me. It's just, it, it's very hard to say. Like, so for you to say, is 185 grams of carbs too much? I don't know. Maybe. Need some more information. Yeah, I need some more information. But also too, are you losing? If you're not, yeah, you're probably eating too much. But you're probably eating too many calories. It's not necessarily like you can't lose it because of the carbs. I probably wouldn't go further than or less than 45 grams of fat unless you're really light. Because there is a threshold like... And this is where it gets even more difficult for females specifically because if you are, let's say, 120 pounds and you want to be 110 pounds, like, cool. Like, and that's just a random number because I don't think there's anything special about weight. But let's say you want to lose about 5 to 10 pounds of fat and you're 120 pounds. You're a fairly light human being already. So if I was to give you 0.8 grams per pound, which is the recommended amount of protein, they say that at, one, at 0.8 grams per pound, most research says that you're not going to get any added benefit of eating more than that. I program more than that for most people, but per research, that's your limit of what you can build muscle on. Obviously, I have different thoughts, but if you do that, you can't really max out muscle protein synthesis because you need, so based on research for that, you need at least three meals, upwards of five meals to maximize, right? So most research would say, yeah, you're probably going to get the best muscle protein synthetic response, which is when you eat protein, MPS goes up from four to five meals Per, or, uh, per day. But if you only eat, what is that? 
100, 105, I don't know, like 120 times 0.8, whatever that ends up being, um, it's about 100 grams of protein a day, you're probably not going to max out your muscle protein synthetic response, right? So you might need to eat more, especially because if you were to do that, you would be, let's say, eating at four meals, 25 grams of protein at five meals, probably 20 grams of protein per meal. That could be the case if you were having pure whey protein for every meal, but you're not because you're also eating fruits and vegetables and, and starches and nut butters and things that have a little bit of trace protein in it that aren't as stimulating of muscle protein synthesis. So now the whole like calculation gets skewed, right? Same thing with fats. For fats, you really only need to have 0.5 grams per kilogram, which is very low. Like it's a, it's a very low amount. So um, for somebody who is 120 pounds, uh, you're, what is that? Just over um, 60 kilograms in weight. I don't know because it's divided by 2.2. But like half of that is only 30, 30 something, you know? that might be sufficient for you to be healthy. Like, hey, you can survive with 30 grams of fat and you can, your hormones will be fine, relatively speaking, especially if you're not in a big ass deficit and for a prolonged period of time, you'll be fine. But if anybody listening has ever tried to eat 30 grams of fat a day, it is damn near impossible. Like you're literally only eating chicken and white rice and you better be careful putting oil on it. Like, it's just like, there's just nothing, you know? So there's the flexibility aspect. So this is why there's, there's multiple layers of this. Now, 185 grams of carbs might not be too much on paper, but if you have to drop your fats or protein so low that these other things are skewed because your total body weight is light and you're kind of going beyond either A, the, the threshold of what's flexible, but also the threshold for muscle protein synthesis, which by the way, as you're in a deficit actually decreases. So you actually need more than what's normal. So there's research to show that you should probably have more than what's required to build muscle when you're in a severe deficit, because it's harder to preserve muscle in a deficit than it is to build muscle. Like you need more protein to preserve muscle in deficit than you do in a surplus to gain muscle. Um, so kind of going to the weeds, but to the point, it's, it's very hard for me to say like, that's too much or too little. There, I need more info and there needs to be a hell of a lot more um, understanding of who you are because even if I had more info on your age, weight, height, and stuff like that, it still is very person dependent. Absolutely. The other aspect of this that's more generic that I can say is you really can't say 185 grams is too little carbs because technically you can you can lose fat on a number of carbs. You can lose, you can lose fat on a very high carb diet and they have studies that people follow a 90% uh, carb diet, which is just nuts. I mean, they literally just basically ate potatoes, white rice. They had, um, a fruit solution. So it was like gel or like juice puree. So it's like very, um, my grandma used to have this stuff where it was like basically like grape puree and you would mix it with water to make juice, you know, like imagine that it's so dense that like they can, there's a lot of vitamins and minerals in it. So they would give them that so they can get their, you know, serving of fruit per day. Um, and then it was like uh, 10% protein. So like virtually zero fat, like very, very low fat. Um, and it was, it, you can Google this. It's called the rice experiment. Um, and it's by, I think Dr. Watkins or something like that. And uh, people lost tons of weight. I think on average it was 160 pounds was like the average. Now these were the obese individuals, but obese individuals are the number, especially obese sedentary individuals. And this is why this is so great because people would say like, oh, well, what about fit individuals or anything like that? People who aren't obese. Well, actually it's even more likely for them because they're utilizing carbs better. Obese, highly obese individuals are more likely to have metabolic syndrome. They're more likely to be um, insulin resistant. They're more likely to not be able to tolerate carbs. So that's like the number one argument. Insulin causes, you know, carbs spike insulin that causes obesity and people who are obese can't have high carb diets. 
this proved that wrong. So if you're already fit, she said, I'm not overweight. I'm not, you know what I mean? Like she's obviously going from like lean to really lean, yep. even more likely the case that you can handle high carbs. So there's really no cap. It's, it's all about calories and protein. If you get your calories and protein, carbs and fats can fluctuate quite a bit. Um, carbs can be as high as you want. Fats can be way lower than most people like to believe from like a hormone and health perspective. It's just that you're not going to have any flexibility in diet. So adherence is going to be really, really poor. And if you're in a deficit after a certain amount of time, then you're, you're probably going to feel the negative effects from that fat intake being so low. I would even say my, my day-to-day fat intake is probably lower than I would recommend most clients. It's easy for me to adhere to because I eat like a robot most of the time. But the thing that I, I think is important to know too is like when I have, like when I go out to eat on Saturday or we do date night or anything, it's always high fat meals. So it's always cheese and meats or I'm going out and having a steak and the steak's cooked in butter or oil or I'm having like seafood. Like there's always high fats. So like one day a week, I'm probably like tripling my fat in, intake. So if you look at my weekly fat average, it's probably a bit higher than what I actually eat per day, yeah. you know, um, which is about 45 grams fat, which is really low for a day-to-day probably basis. Not much, probably not much because it's one day. Yeah. But like that would probably, ta- so if I eat 45 grams of fat a day and if we, if we actually tracked that day, which I don't, and we put it on those other days, I would bet I'm probably having 55, 55 to 60 grams of Maybe, fat yeah. easily. Um, even if you doubled that one day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> and so, and because of that, like I never really feel the negative side effects from it, but like when I'm intentionally dieting and I'm watching my Saturdays, I don't have my fats as low. Yeah. I'm kind of like doing the Rob Peter to pay Paul thing to make up for it. And it's easy for me to eat low fat so I can have more carbs during the week to train hard. Um, but yeah, for the most part, there's no, there's no cap on that. You can't really put a number on that. And for you specifically, I don't know because everybody is in a different situation, especially from an energy expenditure perspective. For sure. Um, was that the, the only question? I think there was yeah, like she a... She just wanted a second opinion on that and if 182 was too high okay. for a cut. Okay. And then she mentioned something about diet breaks, I think, too. And, and I think with that... She just said, I calculated a 12-week cut with three weeks of diet breaks. Okay. So, yeah. And I, I think that's fine. Like, if you do the math there, that's nine weeks of diet deficit, right, still. Because you have three weeks in there that are that are dieting, I think that's no problem at all. Um, usually, I tell people like eight to 16 weeks is like the, the range of like diet deficit weeks and then if you factor in diet breaks or refeeds um, on top of that you usually end up in that 12 to 12 to 20 range of total weeks of dieting totally which is totally fine so yeah love it all right cool we will move on to the next question it comes from b Pittman. it says i know i have asked this in the past but what but will you have any mentorship opportunities coming within the next year if not where do you recommend i go to continue my education to be an overall better coach? Oh, man, it's tough. I think, uh, so I will say this. I think that right now, if you want to improve yourself as a nutrition coach, I think MNU, Mac Nutrition University, ran by Martin McDonald, is by far the best uh, nutrition certification there is, um, without a doubt. I think that I haven't gone through it yet, but the um, it's more geared towards bodybuilders. So although if you're not prepping bodybuilders, you might not think it's good for you, but I've always had this philosophy and I've always pushed, like kind of not pushed it on, but like kind of pushed it towards my coaches as well. Um, and they've benefited very highly from this. But the idea of studying what bodybuilders do and studying the art and science of bodybuilding and physique 
sport because if Susie wants to lose 20 pounds and just feel good, like I'm going to be able to do that pretty easily, especially from like a programming and a, and a nutrition and a, like just understanding how to get the job done, physiologically speaking. I'm going to be able to do that pretty easily if I know how to get Susie shredded for stage. You know what I mean? Like it's just way watered down, way more flexible, way easier to achieve. Same science, just you don't have to take it as far or be as aggressive. So understanding the science of bodybuilding is really important. Um, and then the psychology of, of humans so that you don't treat them like a bodybuilder because they're not. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I want to say it's NASM. Um, they just came, I should know this, but they just came out with a new cert. Um, I want to say it's like certified bodybuilding prep coach. So CBPC or something like that. Um, but there's uh, the people who put this together. There is an amazing list of researchers and coaches. Um, do you see anything for it? No. CPT? No, that's just certified personal trainer. Oh. Um, new, new NASM CPT. I would do like NASM bodybuilding and you'll probably see it pop up. Gotcha. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's uh, certified Bodybuilding prep coach, CBPC. Physique and bodybuilding coach certification. There you go. It's NASM PBC. Physique and bodybuilding coach. Cool. Um, I'll probably take it, to be honest with you, because it's going to be such a good course. Uh, I know a lot of the people that are involved in it. Uh, many of them have been on the podcast. I, be, I know Eric Helms was in there. I believe Eric Trucks was in there. I know that Lauren Conlon was in there. Our very own Brandon Roberts wrote, I believe, a full fucking chapter in the textbook. Um, don't quote me, but... He'll correct me if I'm wrong and I'll let you guys know. But um, I'm, I'm like literally 99% sure because we had to take a pause on podcasting, uh, getting him on the podcast and doing some blogs because he had a month where he was like knee deep in writing that. Um, Chris Bearcat, who is a good friend of mine and has been on the podcast, wrote a lot of the, the content in there and helped it. So there's a lot of good people in it and it, it's got to, I mean, I'm, I got to imagine it's amazing. So I haven't done it, but I would imagine that's probably the best one from the science perspective of training and nutrition. However, there is zero certifications that I can recommend on program design, literally, because anything that I think is pretty valuable from a program design perspective is more like uh, philosophy and methods in like kind of like their own art, which is part of what programming is. I think you have to understand the scientific principles of training. Um, actually, I lie. The, there is one, and I think it's, I think it's really good. Um, I still believe, and it's still aligned with, I believe, more of the principles and stuff, because I haven't gone through the whole thing, um, but Joe DeFranco's, uh, the CPP course, um, I think it's really good, and it does go into more of the principles and, and the science behind strength training and stuff like that, but programming is an art, so like, if you're trying to be a better trainer, you have to like, you have to read a lot, you have to be coached, you have to write programs a lot you have to read programs a lot so i'm constantly buying other people's ebooks and programs I'm, I'm signing up for coaching i'm doing i've always done stuff like that and i'm reading tons of books so i think the best way to become a great coach like yes those certs are great and i would recommend them but the best way is going to be to like literally every day learn something new it's reading every day it's listening to podcasts every day taking like online courses and stuff like that because there are a few there's a handful of online courses that i think are good lots of youtube videos i mean there's just so much content and it's, a, it's, it's important to not just consume one person's content on programming over and over and over again because there's a lot of great programmers. I mean, like, you can, you can watch and listen to my stuff and Mike Israel's stuff and John Russin's stuff, Christian Thibodeau's stuff, Jason Brown's stuff. Like, all these guys, we all have great programming, and we all understand the same exact principles and philosophies of volume, intensity, exercise selection. Uh, um, God, I almost said ph philanthropy. 
I'm going to... Philosophy? No, the limb measurements. Every time I try to go say the word, I fucking forget it. But, like, basically your biomechanics, but that's not what it's called. Um, But, like, all of these things... We all understand in the same way and we understand the importance, but we all have our own way of spinning it. So it's it's important to just take in all the information from all these amazing coaches and then kind of create your own way of doing things. Um, you finding it? No. I was trying to for you, man. Uh, I would, would you type in? Biomechanics of, of limb measurements? I would type in um, uh, science of limb measurements. See what that pops up. <laughs> prosthetic or like that's prosthetic that's fake that's like a fake arm i have to tell you man um okay so anyway um i think it's important to do all that stuff now we have a we have a link in the description of the the podcast it's always there it's to my amazon list 90 percent of that is books on training and nutrition so just click that and buy amazon books they're on prime you get them fast it's amazon um Yes, I make money when you click those because I have Amazon affiliate links. If you don't and you're a coach, you should probably get some because it's an easy way to make a few extra bucks on Amazon, basically. Um, and Amazon's smart because you only really get Amazon money, which means you got to spend it there. But we all shop there quite a bit. So, uh, but click that, like, you know, those books I recommend for training nutrition and as well as other things are all in there. Um, as many of them as I could remember when I was creating that list and I will keep adding to it as I have. But read constantly, do all that stuff. Uh, the thing I want to mention is, is like in your specific question basically was like, you know, are you going to do any mentoring? Now, obviously I mentor my own clients as do my coaches. So like working with us is one of the best ways for us to do your training and nutrition. We're going to, you're going to learn a lot because whether it's me or my coaches, we all have the same understanding, the same systems, the same science. We use the same coaching principles. Like they're all created by us together. Um, but, Two things. One, I definitely plan on doing a seminar at the new building. So um, you and I have talked about that many times. Uh, when is it going to be? That I don't know. Um, I'm going to put the 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 month or the one of the months I have in mind out there. And that would be June, July, or August because good luck having any other month here that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> like so, it's it, I can I can honestly say, unless it doesn't happen at all. It's going to be in the summer here. Yeah. Um, and I don't see why it wouldn't happen at all. I've done enough presentations to already have the content ready. Um, just depends on our meetup. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and I'd probably want to do it around that so people could like, you know, on the team could be there mm. maybe, but um, unless that's just too much chaos, yeah. which it could be. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, just stay on the lookout for it. This is going to be the, the first place that hears it. Um, I will be doing some kind of training camp or seminar not like anything I've done before, um, but similar to what I've been hired to do privately. So like when I flew out to Pennsylvania, I've done it at a gym out here. Um, it's actually an Anytime Fitness, um, which is a franchise. So they all collectively own them individually. But basically, like I have been hired to like just train like a small staff, you know, on program design and stuff like that and coaching. Um, and I want to do that in our facility. And we'll... Um, I mean, we'll film the content, but we're not going to release it like as like a video that you can buy. Um, I want to do it annually. Like we've talked about like every year we have like the tailored coaching yeah. summit or workshop or training camp or something like that. Um, and when you guys hear it, you guys are going to want to jump on it quick because it's not going to be a 50 seats. Like it's going to be like 10 people. Like yeah. I want to make it tight knit, small. Um, 
sharing things that I don't share publicly about how we coach, how we program, how we do shit, like on an advanced level. So it's like extremely valuable. Um, but that's definitely in the near future. Um, we're going to be in the new spot January, February. So like into spring, we're going to be like, I would assume like fully finishing, you know, cause we're gonna have to refurnish some of the rooms. We're gonna have to get our logo back up on the wall and stuff like that. But, um, summertime I'm thinking, so be on the lookout for that. And then I also plan on putting together a, some kind of like Kajabi style course. So like a, a basically like an online course, uh, for those who know Kajabi is just like the, um, software. Yeah. But it's like, what's the Platform. right form? It's kind of like what people say, you know, like, um, it's like the term influencer. What is an influencer? Well, you yeah. just call people influencers who have big following. The That's term. What yeah, it's just a term. Like, they are the first online course. Yeah. So whether you make it on Kajabi or not. they're a term and software. Yeah. I mean, they were a software first, but I think people use it. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, but nonetheless, like, we're going to put something together like that because I think that is missing in the space. I don't think there's enough. Um, there's no, uh, it's not going to be a certification. It would be a course that you can take on your own time. But there's not. there's not very many, like, paid courses that you can take that really teach you the ins and outs of like real program design. It's all like theory methods, um, like personal attribute. Like I do this, I do this in my coaching. I use these methods, but there's no like, all right, let's put like science down and like take my own bias of like what I like to do out of it and just lay down like what really matters, you know, the science of program design, you know? Um, so we do plan on that and then there'll probably be a follow up for nutrition. Uh, Travis and I have talked about it quite a bit and with the new studio at the new place, it's going to be set up to be able to film that. So um, probably early spring next year, I would assume, you know, for the course. Out. Yeah, for the course, yep. hopefully. Um, so just be on the lookout for that. Otherwise, read books every day, hire people to do your training, just learn from people and content. Be in the, what do you, what's the phrase? Be in the weeds. Be in mm -hmm. the weeds. 100%. Yeah. Cool. All right, we will move on. We've got another question uh, coming from Rachel Wheeler. It says, hydrostatic body fat testing, would you say this is accurate? No, not really. Um, it's – so for those listening uh, – Go ahead. I'm going to butcher it. Hydrostatic body yep. fat testing yep. is uh, the bod pod. So oh. people have seen that where you – it's like a dunk tank, right? Like you – Basically, what you do is you go in water and they're testing the bubbles that rise to the surface. And depending on the way the bubbles rise to the surface, the rate they do, the size, all those kind of things, um, they can determine your body fat levels because there's a certain aspect of uh, your subcutaneous tissue. So, you're like your fat layer, right? Uh, visceral fat, like um, the fat tissue on your body will change the way that the bubbles rise, essentially. And I don't know the deep science behind it. Um, yeah, it's been a while. I don't pay attention to this kind of shit because all of it's pretty, pretty shitty. It's wow. I mean, it's pretty poor as yeah. far as like uh, standards, quality, and like accuracy. Um, but I did write a blog, so if it, it's on the website. Uh, it's like uh, it's called, I think it's just called body fat testing, right? The accuracy of body fat testing or something like that. Um, but if you go to that, I, I do cover this one as well, and I kind of show you how inaccurate it can be. Um, and to and be why. honest with you, and why? Yeah, and there's no. There's no real, and I go into a little bit. I link this other article that uh, article series that um, James Krieger did, and we've had him on the podcast as well, and we we brought it up briefly. But he he did like a whole article on each testing method. So like I debunk it a little bit, but like if you really want the science behind why it's bullshit, like he'll he covers a lot of that. It's really good. Uh, but nonetheless, like 
there's not really any accurate body fat testing that is accessible to normal people. So um, number one, plenty of scientists have said this, but the only truly 100% accurate way to test somebody's body fat level is through a cadaver, which means you have to die in order for them to know, which makes it completely unapplicable. Um, not the, interested. The next one is um, ultrasound. I almost said MRI. I believe it's ultrasound. Um, you're not getting access to an ultrasound unless you have a medical condition and they don't give a fuck about your body fat. Like they are testing other things that you got going on. So it's very unlikely that you'll be able to use ultrasound unless you are a researcher in the lab and you have access to one and you can use it after hours or something. Um, again, very unapplicable. And it's not even 100%, but it's much more accurate for sure. Um, next would be like DEXA. DEXA scan is probably the gold standard of what is accessible to individuals. However, there a lot of people don't realize there's a lot of settings on a DEXA scan. So, and, and not just like, you know, age, weight, height, stuff like that, but like they can literally change the way it is ran. So like if you go in, you get your body fat tested and you come back and it's a different uh, DEXA scan tech or whatever they're called and they, they use different settings or whatever, it can be off. Um, the other thing to add about that too is, is water intake, uh, carbohydrates, cortisol, sleep, all those things can play a role in effect affecting the accuracy of it. It is more accurate, but I want to say, if I remember correctly, it still had a three to 6% margin of error, which means if I'm 10% body fat, it could say 13. It can maybe even say 16 if I really don't control any of the variables, but it could also say seven. So if, if I'm anywhere between seven to 13, that's a big difference, you know, which makes it kind of useless yeah. and a waste of $250 because I think that's like the average price per session. Um, then we get into things like bod pod, which again, that 3% margin of error goes up to like, eight percent so you could be anywhere between 10 and 20 <laughs> essentially 10 and 18 um and then after That's that really is, a waste yeah huge waste and then there's like the uh it's not bmi but um whatever the ones you hold in your hand are you know what i'm talking about yeah um, those are bmis well bmi is body mass index that's what they're measuring right yeah, well, they're measuring body fat. They can also measure BMI, which BMI is, is stupid. I actually did a BMI calculator the other day just for, for shits and giggles because I was, was creating some content and I was going through something. And uh, based on my height and weight, I'm actually classified as, as mildly obese. Like I'm, I'm literally overweight, which is stupid. Obviously, it's because I have a good amount of muscle for being 5'9". I'm heavier for 5'9", which is a compliment because I'm lean, but totally. I'm definitely not overweight. Um, did you see what it is? Um, um, if you type in body fat scanner or just handheld, a, yeah, just yeah. like an analyzer. Yeah. So what it does, it sends an electrical current through your arm. So basically like when you hold one handle, it sends an electrical current and it bases it off the time it takes to go from this palm to this palm. Um, and they change the formula based on your age, weight and height, which by the way, especially now that we've gone way deeper into, um, anthropology, I believe is the word, um, uh, for the limb lengths and stuff like that. You could be the same height as me, but have like abnormally long arms. You know what I mean? Or you can have like T-Rex arms. Yeah. So if they're taking the average, that right there already makes it inaccurate because the, they're just assuming that every 5'9 individual probably has about this length of arms. But we know that people's wingspan changes. So if you have really long arms, the current takes longer to get to you, which would signal that you have more fat. If you had a refeed day yesterday, it would take longer because you have more carbs, more water, more sodium, more stress, anything. It would take longer to send that current. Um, if you're well hydrated, which is a really positive thing and helpful for fat loss, it would probably take longer. You have more water in your body. like So 
very inaccurate is the point. Um, it's even worse. They have them on the scale. People step on the scale and it tells them the body fat percentage. It's like, no, that is fucking bullshit. <laughs> there's no way. Yeah. Um, the Omron? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of companies that make them now. Yeah. I think um, they're called just BIAs. BIA. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Bioelectrical uh, impedance is like the, the word. Um, probably analyzer if it's an A at the end. But like point being is they're probably the worst of the worst. Um, in bodies, people always ask about that. In bodies kind of, they do the same thing. In bodies, usually you hold onto a thing. They also like have like a camera. So I think they're doing, they're adding a layer to it, which makes it a little bit better, but still bullshit. Um, I did an Man, in people body. people are really intrigued on how much body fat they have. Why does it fucking matter? Dude, they're just going into like... Who cares? MRI tubes. Yeah, I just don't. I've never cared. If I look in the <laughs> mirror and I can see abs, I'm really lean. If I can't, I'm not as lean. My pants fit good, awesome. If they don't, not awesome. Like, those are the things that really matter. To you. I mean, if you really boil it down to everybody. Yeah. Because if you think about it, like, if you if you find out you're super low body fat percentage, but you walk in the mirror and hate how you look, you're still going to be insecure. Yep. That's a fact. You know what I mean? In fact, the numbers just make it worse. Yeah. So I think we use the scale as a way because it is a very accurate number. I mean, that's just a fact. Like body fat scanning is not accurate. So we use weight as an accurate number to educate people on why the scale isn't the only thing that matters. But body fat percentage just fucks with people's heads. I always steer clients away from it. Um, it's just, yeah, it's just horrible. I did it where I went in body, stood in there, and it told me I was like 20-something percent. And then I went to a DEXA, and it said I was 13%. And I probably was about 13%. I think it was pretty accurate because I, it was after surgery. So I was like, okay, I can start training again after however many weeks of not training and, you know, probably losing some muscle tissue and stuff. So my body fat percentage was probably higher. But they had it set up in a room where I literally went on the in body, took three steps, laid in a DEXA. So I did them back-to-back. So, like, all variables were the same. Go from 20, it's in the blog, I talk about it. It's like 26 to 13%. It's just nuts. And yeah. it's like, okay. But um, gym owners love them. I'm sorry for my gym owners listeners who have them. Like I don't, I understand why. I think it is a very good business strategy and it can be a good marketing tactic and it could be a good way to get people bought in. Um, and part of me likes that because if I, you know, we do a challenge or we do a starting membership and you step in a body and in body and it tells you that you're higher body fat percentage and it gets you motivated to create a change because it's like a huge awareness tool realization that's awesome because it does trigger people to create change however if you're consistently using that thing number one there's a good chance it's not going to change much even if they're losing weight and if you replace fat with muscle it's still going to stay high because it's still taking just as long to send that stupid fucking current through one arm to the next it just fucks with people head for no reason like and, and to me that's bad that's bad business practice it's just that's that's an inaccurate tool to test body fat percentage and there is tons of research to prove that you know what I mean? Bod pod's the same thing. So um, I don't mean to attack people because I even know people. I have friends that own gyms that have them. And I feel bad saying this right now because I love those guys. Um, but I, I just don't agree with You're it. You're entitled to your own opinion. I am. And <laughs> uh, research backs up that opinion, yeah. you know, at least from a um, like an accuracy perspective. Totally. If there's a if there's a efficacious way to use it to instill motivation people, cool. But Got I it. don't know. Yeah. Cool. All right, we will move on to the next one. is from Marissa uh, Dab eight or eight nineteen. Do you ever call your clients out on their excuses? Absolutely, one hundred percent. That's what they pay me for. I think that uh, a big piece of why people pay coaches is to get called out on their shit. Um, I believe. And I do this with clients because I think it's important. I think it's it's the only way to create change. Like if somebody's not giving you, like if somebody's not being real with you and doing it out of 
love and respect, like they care about you and they want you to create change because that's what you, especially if you hired somebody to help you create change, then what do you hire them for? What are they doing, right? They're not helping you. So I think that um, it's brutal honesty, you know, and I think there, there's a level of coaching that like that's just what is required of coaches. I do, however, think that there is a level of trust, respect, and just kind of like relationship building that is required before you can do that. I don't just go out and start like, calling people out on their shit. Yeah, exactly. And and doing it in a rude way. But rather, I think it's important that, you know, over time I've developed relationships with clients where I can be extremely real with them. And if I tell them, like if I tell them how it is, quote unquote, they know it's out of care and love for them and their results. You know what I mean? But but 100%, I think it's important as a coach to be confident enough in what you do and uh, and also know how to, like know the, the real way to develop relationships with people that work with you that allows you to do that. Like you can develop that relationship in a way that allows you to step up, be real, call them out and, and hold them accountable because part of like real accountability is brutal honesty. For sure. So hundred percent. Do you ever get any like pushback for that? Um, not anymore. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's because, you know, as a company, we work with so many people that the people I end up working with, um, I, I, just know me way better or there's just like already that trust factor. You know what I mean? But once upon a time, hundred percent, Yeah. especially when I first started working with other coaches, like I would get that. Cause you know, if, if I know how to do this exactly. Yeah. And if, if, if my way of doing it is, especially if it's science-based, cause I like to prove what I'm like, Hey, this is what we're gonna do. Here's why we're going to do it. And I usually bring research to it. Even if you're not a coach, cause I think it's important for buy-in, but if that like shatters your opinion or shatters your beliefs or like stomps on what you're doing with some of your clients, like that kind of like hurt, yeah. your, hurt your feelings, you yeah. know? And I don't or do piss it. Be, you off. Yeah. And yeah. I don't know that you're doing the opposite. I'm just like, Hey, the cool, this is what we're going to do next. And it's like, Oh shit. You know? Um, so I have gotten pushback, but not, not too much lately. Um, especially because I think like you attract what you put out. Yeah. So most people who hire us, like they want brutal honesty, they want support and feedback in, in like realness and they want education. You know, they want evidence-based stuff. Um, so I think it's, I think rarely ever. I, I mean, I just literally just got off a phone with somebody um, who's going to be working with Nick and they, uh, they went across the gym, shout out to Hannah. And we had this conversation because she's like, I coach people, I program, I do the nutrition. I have nutrition coaches on my team, but I don't want to hire within my team because they're too nice to me. Yeah. I need somebody to be honest with me. And then she's like, what do you think I should do with training? Like, I'm like, Hey, are we doing nutrition or training and nutrition? And she's like, well, give me your opinion. Like, do you think I should change what I'm doing and how I'm doing it? And the answer ended up being yes, but it wasn't like what you're doing doesn't work or is wrong. It's like, Hey, what you're doing, you've been doing. And if you're not where you want to be, maybe it's time to change things a little bit for a while to get you where you want to be. And that doesn't change the fact that the people who follow your programming, do what you do. It doesn't change anything for the results they're getting. Their results are proving themselves in front of you but they also haven't been doing that style of training for the last decade you know you might need that change or you might need accountability to push harder in this way because you're holding them accountable they're not holding you accountable they're your members so um yeah and i think most people are very receptive of that 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 work with us so totally yeah cool all right that was the last question for today dope there's some solid fucking questions again Check out the uh, TCM10 for the giantlifting.com. Yes. TCM10 gets you 10%. Plus, it's Black Friday all month. Uh, firstforum.com slash method. 
goes to our other sponsor of the podcast, First Form Supplements. I believe they got some Black Friday stuff coming up. And they just came out with a couple new products, some some carb-based products that I'm actually excited to dig into because um, I think it's cool that more and more nutrition and supplement companies are like pushing the need for carbs to manage stress and recovery, which mm-hmm. is really cool and was unheard of for so long. It's like keto and fasting, you know what I mean? Like pull them away and now like carbs are coming back, which I'm excited about. Um, I feel like I've been part of that movement. So, um, but firstform.com slash tailored coaching method. Um, go leave us a five-star rating review. If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. As always, guys, we appreciate you listening. We'll catch you next time.